Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. Arms out wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise. By your power, we will go. By your spirit, we are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. Hey, are you happy this morning? Like, just, just. You know, if you had like a gas tank, you know, and it went from empty on the left to full on the right, you know that little little indicator in between? Like, where would your happiness gauge be this morning? Are you happy? Think about that word for just a moment. Right now, in this moment, are you happy? You say, I don't really want to gauge happiness. I'd rather gauge joyfulness. Okay, that's fine. How about your joyful meter this morning? Are you joyful? Are you full of joy? I am going to encourage you to think for just a moment about those two things as equivalent, because for most people in the culture, happiness and joyfulness are not easy to separate. I mean, could we have a big theological discussion about the difference? Yes, we could. We're not going to because it's like crazy early in the morning for most of us. So um, when I asked if you're happy, what was your like initial gut response to that? Here's a different, different question. Do you know this morning that you're loved? Do you know this morning that God sees you? That God is pouring forth right now every spiritual blessing into your life? Different question this morning. Do you know that you are forgiven? That you are healed? That you are redeemed? Are you full of hope and hopefulness? Are you full of grace and gratefulness? Are you full of mercy? The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. Are you happy? Paul talks in Ephesians chapter 1 about all of the things that God pours into our lives peace, harmony, unity, um, peace with God the Father from our Lord Jesus Christ, blessings too many to name. Um, God who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. He chose us. He blesses us. He adopts us. He calls us. He purposes us. We have redemption through him. The forgiveness of of our short passes, uh, or our I mean our shortcomings, our offenses against him, um, and in accordance with the riches uh, and the generosity of his gracious favor, he lavishes upon us every kind of wisdom and understanding, even the mystery of the knowledge of himself. Are you happy this morning? I mean, all of this, all of this, I offer as a reminder to us this morning that we are co-heirs with Christ, of the riches of his glory. That we don't live according to the value system of the world, but according to the value system of the kingdom of God, who has given us everything 
from whom all blessings flow. So what brings you happiness on this day? Our Growing Your Faith verse of the day comes from Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 10. Those who love money, well, they'll never have enough. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. So what brings true happiness today? Do you know the Lord? Do you know the giver of life? Do you know the father of lights uh, from whom all blessings flow? I hope you do. And I hope your happiness gauge is tilting up toward full this morning. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Kindness. I want to talk for a moment about kindness. Have you seen a Be Kind shirt lately, you know, with a bumblebee on it? Has there been a Be Kind campaign already at your local school or in your school district? The school year's just getting rocking and rolling a lot of places, and there's like, you know, kindness initiatives and Be Kind efforts. Let's consider the mandate of God through the lips of the prophet Micah. This is being called the Micah Mandate, um, and I think that it's worthy of our mindfulness this morning. Micah 6, 8, you probably know it from uh, the NIV, just because this seems to be the one that is most prevalent out there in the culture. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. What does the Lord require of you to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? Um to act justly, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God is another way of, um, of reading that, mercy and kindness being very similar attributes. Um, the Micah Mandate is not something new. Uh, George Grant has written about it. I, I mean, it's been, I mean, I'll say a generation ago because it was like in the late 90s, and that's now a generation ago. George is a friend of mine, and um, and he's a he's a pastor in a um classical school leader here in the community where i live and i was reminded in this uh in thinking about kindness in the culture today and the lack of it and the need for it i was uh, i was thinking about the way he describes the micah mandate and that um and how much we could really use walking in humility and loving kindness acting justly without compromising truth in the culture today. So um, God has shown us what is good. Like we know. And so let's walk in the way of kindness today. This was brought to mind a few weeks ago uh, when I read a piece by David Brooks in The Atlantic. uh, And the title of it was How America Got Mean. In a culture devoid of moral education, generations are growing up in a morally inarticulate self-referential world. And there's nothing in um, David Brooks's piece that actually would be a surprise to you because you could actually look around, listen to the language of, um, uh, and, and, and watch videos and be alarmed by uh, the way um, some people in the culture, in emerging generations, are treating others. You could look at the rise of youth crime, um, the rise of criminal gangs, the uh, marauding hordes in the middle of the night might be, I mean, hooligans, like, right? There's all kinds of ways that you could describe it and all kinds of stories we could look to that would alarm us about what is happening 
David Brooks pins the um, pins the source of the concern on our failure to provide a moral education um, and moral language and a worldview with a referent outside of the self as really the primary cause. And I would put beneath and behind that, you know, our failure to transmit the gospel one generation to the next. So you can't just point at others and say those parents, those grandparents, those communities, those teachers, that public school system failed. No, the church has failed. Like we have failed. Christians have failed to transmit the gospel. That's the moral education that's lacking, to transmit the gospel. That's, that's what has left a generation morally inarticulate and self-referential in their worldview. So David Brooks is not wrong, but he also doesn't get, you know, doesn't actually get to the whole answer. So what's the solution? Well, come to find out, it's, it's pretty old. Uh, it's, it's, it's pretty simple. Um, and you could get it from the MICA mandate. I mean, that's one way you could artic- articulate it. I mean, you actually know what is good, the knowledge of goodness, and then to walk in it in kindness and humility and mercy. There's a guy named Judge Francesco. You're, you are familiar with him. You, you know who he is, even if you don't know him by his name. And there's a headline about him today um, that uh, is captivating. It's from half a world away. Um, Judge Francesco Caprio um, is now retired from the bench. But there is a piece by Nazreen Abdullah in uh, the United Arab Emirates, um, their equivalent of the New York Times. It's called it's called the Khalij Times. And you're saying to yourself, I did not get up early enough to read the headlines in the Khalij Times. But look, Carmen did. So <laughs> there you go. So um, if you, I mean, you have seen U.S. Judge Francisco Caprio. I mean, I know this because um, there, there's almost not a person left in America that hasn't seen at some point this interaction between uh, this judge and a 96-year-old um, uh, person who was brought before him, Victor Calejo. Now, Victor Calejo was 96 and charged with speeding, and he ended up in um, Judge Fran- Francesco's courtroom, um, and he said, um, I only drive when I have to. I was taking my son for cancer treatment. And he threw himself on the mercy of the court. Um, you remember this story. Victor Calejo, 96 years old, driving his 63-year-old son to his cancer treatment and was uh, charged with speeding. There, um, there was undisputable evidence that he was guilty. <laughs> uh, and Judge Francesco says, look, I knew it. He knew it. Everybody in the courtroom knew it. But this wonderful man, so dedicated to his family, so dedicated to his own son, um, where wouldn't any of us run as fast as we could to get the care for them they needed? Um, and he said, I would have paid the fine myself. I considered his circumstances and, you know what, I just dismissed the case. I congratulated him for being a great dad. And I told him, that we would pray for his son and his healing. 
500 million people watched the video of that courtroom drama, that real-life courtroom drama. And since then, Judge Francesco and Victor have actually become like real friends in real life. Um, and, and so here's the good news. Um, the son is cancer-free, uh, doing well. Um, and, and why am I telling you all this? Because God has now provided the opportunity for this life lesson about kindness, about showing compassion for other people, about trying to understand what is happening in their life and walking in their shoes, this very Christian message. God has provided opportunity for Judge Francesco to stand before kings. That is why the article appears today in the equivalent of the New York Times in the United Arab Emirates, because retired U.S. Judge Francesco Caprio has been speaking before hundreds of gathered sheiks. Yep, it's called the International Government Communication Forum. It's at the Shraha Expo Center in the UAE. And um, this judge has had the opportunity to um, stand up literally halfway around the world and talk about the value of compassion, talk about the value of kindness, talk about the value of mercy, talk about the value of empathy, talk about um, moral words based in grace, not retribution. Kindness is getting a hearing. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Against these, there is no law. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. As we consider the life of Jesus and the life of the first generation of Christians, reading here the book of Acts and all the letters to the Christians in the New Testament, we see people who like wake up, they come to see and understand and then receive Jesus as their Savior and Lord. And it changes everything. We see Christians then telling other people about the good news and inviting them to respond in repentance, be baptized and follow Jesus. The movement of Christianity grows person by person and then exponentially as people walking in darkness receive the light of Christ and want others to know what they know and have what they have. Well, you and I are living in dark days. People need light. And Jesus is the light of the world today in the same way that he was the light of the world at the beginning of creation and at the first Christmas and throughout his life on earth and in his radiance now at the right hand of the Father. Jesus is the light of the world. So if you're walking in darkness of any kind today, I invite you to consider Jesus. If you'd like to know more about what it means to begin a relationship with Christ or to chat with someone about it, just text the word FAITH to 41224. All right. Apparently, everybody doesn't know about Judge Frank Caprio. Uh, So um, he grew up on Federal Hill in Providence, Rhode Island, Uh, He was the second of three boys. He had a stay-at-home mom um, named Philomena and a dad named Antonio. Um, His dad was a fruit peddler and a milkman. 
Um, he describes himself as growing up in a cold water flat, but with a family that whose love sparked his ambition. Um, and so uh, he shined shoes. He delivered newspapers. He worked in a milk truck. Um, hard work would be what he would describe as being ingrained in him. And he dedicated himself to a life of service. He served as a Providence Municipal Court judge um, from 1985 until 2021. Yeah. So um, anyway, that's who he is. That's where he lives. And uh, you can you can check him out and his story and connect with him if you want to at frankcaprio.com. And thank you to Jim in Simsbury, Connecticut, who says, I don't know anything about this judge. I don't know anything about this viral video. Um, but this is another reason I listen to Mornings with Carmen. <laughs> Good morning, Jim in Simsbury. Great to have you. Um, also, those checking in saying, um, I, don't, I don't feel happy this morning. I don't feel any joy. Um, I am forgiven, but I am not full of hope. Um, yeah, um, I get that. There is um, there is a reason for joy that is not circumstantial. And sometimes we have to get out of our own um, circumstances and, and recognize and into the circumstances of others. This is where empathy is such a powerful agent of activation in terms of kindness. And so let me encourage you today um, to be kind. Um, recognize the challenges that others are facing and the needs they face. And then don't immediately respond to that by saying, if you only knew what I was dealing with, you wouldn't, you wouldn't ask me to do something for someone else. Yeah. So here's, you know, here's the golden rule in relationship to kindness. If we do unto others as we would have them do unto us, then, you know, that's just the Jesus-y part of this. Um, and so let me encourage you to, Call somebody that you haven't spoken to for a while. Um, send somebody a handwritten note. Send up a prayer. Walk somebody else's dog. <laughs> like, right? Uh, take your take your leftovers uh, and share them with somebody else. Um, you know, and and so um, make somebody laugh today. Uh, make a cup of tea for someone else. I mean, just you know, help with a household chore. Um. Take that extra roll of paper towels that you've got in your cupboard and share them with somebody that doesn't have one. You know, like just just simple acts of kindness. Do the things that cost you nothing um, and and change the world. All right, I want to do one quick shout out here to a police dog named Yoda. This is in the spirit of of, uh, the segment we did yesterday on Hank the Cow Dog. And yes, thank you for all of your enthusiastic responses to our conversation with John Erickson. If you missed it, this this alone is reason to download the Faith Radio app and subscribe to the podcast. Um, if you're not familiar with Hank the Cow Dog, I'm telling you, I mean, it's it's. I was going to say, you know, it's nearly as good as the Gospels, but that's not fair. Of course, it's not as good as the Gospels, but it it's such good messaging. It's not expressly or explicitly like quote unquote Christian children's lit. But it's Christian children's lit. It's Christian family lit. It will light up your conversations with your kids. Um, you will you will never approach uh, watermelons the same way because every time you see one or one is is described, everybody in your family will start singing. Um, 
watermelon, cantaloupe, black-eyed pea. I mean, like, it's just, it's crazy. Like, you will look at the moon rise and everybody will describe and talk about, you know, is it possible that it's just a really big oatmeal cookie? So I'm say, I'm, I'm telling you, it's... um. It's so good. Anyway, Hank the Cowdog, my conversation with John Erickson yesterday. That is a don't miss. Please go listen to it. If you missed it, share it with somebody else. Go check it out um, for yourself, which leads me to a conversation this morning hailing a police dog named Yoda. So you have probably been aware that uh, late last month, a convicted murderer escaped a Pennsylvania prison and there has been a massive manhunt. Schools have been closed uh, in the area um, people have been on lockdown. Neighbors have been, you know, staying with each other. Well, uh, this uh, Daniello Cavalcante um, has been arrested. He is in custody. He is now in a maximum security prison in Pennsylvania. And um, in addition to now serving a life sentence for uh, the conviction of the murder of his girlfriend, um, he is now also charged with felony escape. And 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 who gets the uh, who gets the badge? A police dog named Yoda, who uh, held him down and prevented him from using the li- the rifle that he was lying on when uh, when police apprehended him. So there you go. A police dog named Yoda, in the spirit of Hank the cow dog, uh, hats off this morning. You are listening to Mornings with Carmen. Let's take a moment to go upwards with Max Lucado. We have a, um, a a surging crisis of mental uh, mental health, suicide ideation, um, suicide attempts among children, and we've been talking about suicide prevention and awareness this month. Nine eight eight is the suicide and crisis lifeline, and encourage you um, with that. Um, and if you are a young person and you have or you have a young person who is mentally distressed then you also know the stress that that creates not only uh, in your home but in your body parents um across the country see their own health spiraling as kids mental health worsens across the country and so we want to talk about it we want to talk about the reality that there is a shortage of mental health care providers in the country um, that affordable care is hard to find, that just doing the day-to-day things is really, really difficult when we are genuinely worried about our kids. Um, and um, so there's a note here from um, from a mom who says, when you're worrying about whether or not your child is going to survive the day, you're constantly living on the edge. Your own fight or flight is constantly activated. Um, as a parent, I am in crisis because my kid is in crisis. We get that. Leslie um, Schmucker is going to join us now. She's the author of Broken Children, Sovereign God, Rejoicing in God's Goodness in the Midst of Childhood Mental Illness. We're going to address um, address the topics of concern to, to each of us and all of us. And we're going to encourage you today to, um, to find new ways um, and new hope in the midst of um, the mental illness that your kids are suffering. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Leslie um, Schumacher is going to uh, unpack for us again um, 
what it's like to live with a a broken child in a broken world. So finding God's sovereignty in the midst of childhood mental illness. Uh, Leslie, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So um, maybe just start by telling us about Jackie. Uh, Jackie is our daughter. Uh, she, We adopted her when she was nine. She came to live with us when she was eight. We fostered her for a year. Um, Jackie was born into a family who just seems to have generational um, strife. With each generation, there's just more and more strife. So her parents were unable to care for her. She was orphaned. Her mother died when she was six. Uh, Jackie was taken away from her dad shortly after that. And all rights of the family was were terminated. So she was in a children's home for, um, boy, almost two years before we met her. She uh, was a child in a classroom in a, in a school where I was teaching. And I just learned her story that she was virtually alone in the world. I've never known a little kid that was alone in the world before. And very, very long story short, we ended up fostering her and adopting her back in 2009. Um, and what happened after that for the nearly nine years that we attempted to raise her was um, was a challenge. It was filled with plenty of joys, plenty of victories, uh, lots and lots of tender and sweet moments and a lot of hope, but also a lot of a lot of strife and challenges and just turmoil, mostly day to day. Um, but yeah, so that's that's Jackie. When we use the language of um, of mental illness, there's probably people who need help understanding how we apply that in a conversation about a child or children. Um, when we describe a child as broken, there's probably some people listening who are even offended to hear us use that kind of language. Can you talk about brokenness and can you sure. talk about mental illness in relationship to children? Yes. Um, when that when I chose that title, I did get some pushback um, from people who uh, I had asked to endorse the book. And the explanation that I gave and that I, I still stand with and the publisher agreed it's not that the children are broken in the sense that um, we need to just throw them away or they're they're broken. The world is broken. The, the whole world is broken because of the fall. And so mental illness is one of those consequences of the fall. And it does not, it's no respecter of persons or age. So children are afflicted with mental illness. And in that sense, they're broken. We're all broken because of sin. Um, mental illness is just another way of of breaking someone, and that's what's meant by the title. And so um, that leads us to a conversation both about the sovereignty of God and the gospel. Can you bring both of those to bear on this conversation? Absolutely. Uh, the book that I've written is, yes, it is about childhood mental illness, but it's mostly about God's goodness, mm -hmm. because when we were uh, raising Jackie, we were just laid bare. We were depleted. We day after day was just so challenging that we could never have done it on our own. Um, but God was there every single day. And without knowing Christ and understanding what he's done for us, you know, in the, in the gospel message, 
we could have never done it. And God's goodness was palpable throughout our whole time of, of raising Jackie. He just sustained us day after day. And even though this is the greatest trial we have ever faced, God's goodness is just magnified. We can see it more and more because of, because of the trial. I'm wondering, um, Leslie, if you can, um, if you can give people an example of that, maybe tell us a story of a particular day, a particular episode, an incident where, you know, it would have been easy to just be completely undone, but yeah. where God's grace, God's presence, God's provision, um, one another, like the way that you and your husband were able to be present for each other in, you know, as witnesses in the midst of some of those moments. Um, maybe sure. you could tell us a story. Uh, in general, it, it, it manifested in people that put God, God put in our lives, scriptures mm-hmm. that he brought to us when we were reading the word, things like that. But specific examples, I can remember a time when Jackie was in um, a mental health facility for about a year and a half, just we're trying to get her the help that she needed. And I would, it was two hours from our home and I would drive up there every weekend to see her. And the entire drive up, my stomach was just churning with butterflies and nerves because sometimes I would get up there and she wouldn't even want to see me. And then sometimes it would be fine. But on the way, I would picture Christ. I I kept thinking of the scripture of Peter and Jesus walking on the water and how Jesus got out or Peter got out of that boat. And for a few moments, he walked on the water toward Christ. And then he got scared because he saw the waves and he sank. That's how I felt. I felt like I was sinking in the waves. And so I would picture Christ's face as he's walking on the water, reaching out to me, saying, just focus on my face. Just focus on me. Think about me. Don't think about anything else. And it was remarkable how that imagery was just brought to my mind and I was able to, excuse me, um, push forward and not turn the car around, which is what I wanted to do. So it was just things like that. And it mostly was because of God's word. I I needed to be in scripture all the time because that's how God's word was brought to me. That's the scriptures that would come to me would just be so comforting whenever and the exact right scripture whenever I needed it. We're talking with Leslie Schmucker. I know that you want to track her down, LeslieSchmucker.com. The book is Broken Children, Broken World, Finding God's Sovereignty in the Midst of Childhood Mental Illness. Um, Leslie, um, I want to talk about um, the fact that healing doesn't always come in ways that we pray for or that we recognize as culturally complete might be one way of thinking about that. Um, So when we talk about the gospel and we talk about the healing um, that the gospel brings, can can you help us understand the gospel in relationship to children and the challenges that um, they face, particularly related to mental illness, um, and maybe our expectations of what that looks like and how quickly it happens. And can you just speak into that for a moment? Because we're not talking about um, praying by the side of a child's bed and then waking up as a different person the next day. That just, that's a, that might be a testimony out there, but that would be a highly unusual one. Absolutely. 
So I talk in the book a little bit about how when you adopt a child, and in our case, it, uh, we adopted Jacqueline. This is this book is also for parents who have biological kids who are struggling. Um, the gospel is for your child too. And it's very important when anybody adopts a child, they want to save them physically. They want to save them for whatever life they had before. But for a Christian family, we know that the most important aspect of adoption is their salvation, the salvation of their soul. And we wanted so badly for Jackie to know Christ. And so we did everything we could. We prayed with her. We read scripture. We did devotion. She went to church, all of these things, because the gospel above everything else was more important than anything we could have done for her. And so we wanted to plant those seeds as much as we possibly could. Did we do it perfectly? Absolutely not. It was, we didn't. We muscled through on most days and stumbled through it throughout the years, but we were pretty intentional about making sure that she got the gospel because Jesus died for broken people and he died for uh, children as well. And we wanted Jackie to know the joy and the love that only Christ can bring, even if your life is as challenging as hers is and as dark as her past was, that Jesus can shine light into that. And she's still searching to this day as a young adult. She's still asking us questions um, and searching. So, you know, we're always praying that the gospel is going to prevail in her heart. Um. Can you speak a word to uh, to the rest of us? Um, so here I'm thinking about fellow Christians. I'm thinking about neighbors. I'm thinking about the parents of uh, kids in what would have been Jackie's class, but today might be Emma's class. Um, yeah. Can you can you talk? Can you speak to the rest of us? Um, as far as uh, just how to interact with kids, or or um... and how to how to love well. Like how, like, I think that, you know, to, to be perfectly honest, right. Um, we, um, it's a little bit like, uh, the way people treated my sister and my nephew when he had leukemia, cancer's not catching, but people acted like it was, or it might be, um, and mental illness is, you know, that when your child is suffering in this way, like it's not catching, it's not contagious, but we no. treat the child and we and we we treat the child as if what is what is quote unquote wrong with them is um is maybe the fault of the of the adults they're living with. And so, you know, we gotta protect our kid from that and I don't really want to be around it either. Right, I see. Yeah. Uh the people in our lives who knew us best leaned into us. Mm. But it, it there is a chapter in the book about the church in particular, but it speaks to this this question. People don't know what to do with people who are different. And even if they're running away from it or cringing away from it, I don't know if it's uh it's because of any character flaw in that person. I think people just don't know what to do. That's part of it. Um, I know that uh I've spoken to people whose churches just wouldn't accept them in the church because they didn't have any way to care for these kids because they can be disruptive or they, you know, it's intimidating to have to interact with somebody who is profoundly different from what is typical. And so um, that is that's it's really a scary thing. 
at the school where we had Jackie, uh, the, the Christian school where I teach right now and where our, our other kids graduated from, they were remarkable. They tried really hard to uh, reach Jackie and to teach her for four and a half years, but it just got to be too difficult. But they leaned in. And I, what I would say to people, particularly Christians, and this was this is, was our prayer all the time, is that you can't love someone who is this difficult on your own. It's impossible. So our prayer often was, Jesus, I can't love Jackie the way that you want me to. Can you please replace my love with yours? And that was the prayer all the time was to please give me your love so that I can love her. And just being, focusing on Christ, it comes back to focus, focusing on Christ, accessing his strength, his power, his love, his willingness to touch people who other people would not want to touch. Um, and that's the key, because otherwise we would have quit a long time ago. Uh, so hopefully that answered that that question. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I hope that my sort of honest asking of questions that, um, you know, press in, uh, are okay with you as well. So thank you for, um, you know, your transparency as well. We're talking with Leslie Schmucker. She's the author of Broken Children, Broken World, Finding God's Sovereignty in the Midst of Childhood Mental Illness. And we're going to continue our conversation here in just a moment. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio, tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, Thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. Broken children, sovereign God. Rejoicing in God's goodness amidst childhood mental health struggles. We're talking with the author, Leslie Schmucker. Um, Leslie, um, I want to I want to just visit for a moment your um, your professional experience as an educator, um, public school teacher, now the uh, developer and director of the special needs program at the Day Spring Christian Academy in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Um, talk with us about kids in in the educational environment. Um, give a little encouragement to to teachers and to um, and to school administrators because they interact with kids who are struggling with mental health concerns all the time. Yes, they do. Um, when I started teaching, gosh, way back in 1985, I taught children with emotional disturbance for the first 14 years of of my teaching career in public school. And it was a challenge. I loved every minute of it. The the kids were intense. They were, it was wonderful. Um, Fast forward all these years, the needs are even more intense now than they were 39, 40 years ago. Um, And I look at teachers and I just, my heart goes out to the challenges that they have to face, not even in classrooms that are designed for kids with mental health issues, but in regular classrooms all across the nation. 
the incidences of anxiety in particular have skyrocketed in the last several years. Uh, you can blame a lot of things. You can, we blame everything on COVID. So we'll just blame it on COVID, but also social media, uh, just changes in cultural mores, all of it just really compound this issue of mental illness. We see it in our own tiny little school kids. There's an, been an uptick in incidences of mental health challenges over the 11 years that I've worked there. So I would just say, particularly to, to, to Christian educators to just continue to pray for these kids to look, try very hard to look past the mental illness to the child that is there. Uh, but it is, it is a real, real challenge to, um, to face these issues and to deal with them. I'm wondering, um, I don't suspect that, that Jackie is listening right now, but if she were, um, what would you want her to hear? And maybe in that spirit, recognize that there are um, people with similar challenges and similar stories to Jackie, even though they're not exactly the same. So I just, I, I don't ever want to miss the opportunity to speak the word of love and grace to a person who, um, who has challenged, who has been challenged as a child right. with, um, with mental health struggles or is facing those challenges right now. What I want Jackie to hear and what she does hear from us, first of all, is that she's loved and it's unconditional. What's really difficult about of talking to, to people is to make not make it sound so trite, you know, to just throw out there, Jesus loves you, I love you, I'm praying for you. Just to really try to show them that the gospel can overcome anything. It, it can overcome being addicted to drugs when you're born. It can overcome trauma and abuse and neglect and abandonment. Um, Jesus can help you under overcome all of that. And, and, but it needs to be shown to them, not just said to them. And that is challenging. And that's where you just need Christ every minute. But I want Jackie to know that um, whatever has happened to her in her life up, up until now um, is something that God is going to use in her future to strengthen her and to maybe help other people who have gone through what she's gone through. And we can see the process in her that, you know, we can see the gospel work in her. She's not there yet, but we can see her trying. We can see her being open to the love that we want to give to her, even though she is still, you know, not quite there yet. Uh, but yeah, I, I just think that getting to a child where they are, meeting them exactly where they are, they are, having rapport with them, having a relationship with them, having a listening ear, not trying to fix right away because that's impossible, and just to work through the process and not give up. I have a friend named Maridel who I'm thinking about right now as you're talking um, because the the language that you use is very, very similar to the language that she uses about her own kiddos and the challenges that they face and the the desire of other people for there to be a happy ending now. Like, can't you, like, we, we want, is this not all wrapped up yet? Like, is there, is, you're not going to get us to, you know, uh, and everybody lived happily ever after. And yeah. I've already responded to people on the, on our text line this morning um, saying, look, this is, um, this is about a gospel process. This is, um, this is about, a person and a, and a family and a community in process. This is an unfolding story. This is a, 
uh, the claiming in advance of a future filled with hope. I mean, the gospel is real. It's substantial. It's true. It doesn't always um, uh, show evidence of its work in a person's life on our timeline, in our right. like in in the preferred ways that we imagine. Um, but right. it's working. God is doing His work. Yes. That is so very true. When God brought Jackie to us back in originally 2008, and we, you know, we decided, and I'm doing air quotes, you can't see it, but we decided <laughs> to adopt her. Um, you know, the story was written in our minds. We are adopting this little girl. This little girl is going to love us as much as we love her. She's going to be cured of all the trauma that she experienced when she was little. We're just going to wipe that all away and she's going to graduate from this Christian school where other kids graduated from and everything's going to be perfect. Well, that is not the story that God wrote. Um, So we had to really undo our story to try to live in the story that God wrote. So when Jackie left us uh, just before her 18th birthday, without even looking back, we were just confused, to put it mildly. We, my husband and I just looked at each other and, and what just happened? Why, Lord, did you bring this little girl into our lives? It was so clear that you opened up all the doors for us and for her to come to our family. What in the world was the point of all of that? What is the reason that you would, you know, bring this to us? We weren't bitter. We weren't, well, maybe we were complaining, but we weren't cursing God like Job's wife. We were not doing that. But we definitely were questioning for a very, very long time why this all went the way that it, it went. And now over the years, we see a lot of why God brought her to our life. I'll give you a really good example. A f- very good friend of mine just texted me a couple days ago. She had just read the book. And there's a little bit in the book about this very thing that we're talking about. Well, because they actually used to babysit Jacqueline and they really all of a sudden God was working in their hearts to know that there are children out there that need families. They have now adopted three kids that Mm. have challenges. So the ripple effect, and I'm not taking any credit for that. That is all the Lord working in them, you know, through the situation with Jackie and, and the book, this book hopefully is going to help people who are navigating this road because and so in that sense god is you know what god what what satan meant for evil god is going to use for good amen uh leslie schmucker thank you so very much uh friends if you're listening right now the book is broken children sovereign god rejoicing in god's goodness amidst childhood mental health struggles you can find leslie online and connect with her leslie schmucker You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Hey, thank you to those of you on the text line. I'm sharing your own stories. Um, Yeah, you're not alone. Uh, God sees you. God appreciates the way you have invested in the lives of kids and brought them into your home, even though they brought chaos with them. Um, So let me just, on behalf of the Lord, say thank you. Thank you for receiving into your life the chaos of others and being gospel people. We've got another hour together up next. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. 
Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.